0: to the Boba News Podcast. I'm Kim Bremmer and I'll be your host today. Today on our podcast, we're going to talk about feed costs, which have been rising since the beginning of the year. Feed costs are the number one expense on a dairy, so high feed costs have a significant impact on margins and profitability. With me today to talk about what producers can do to offset some of these high feed costs is Trent Dato, a nutritionist with GPS Dairy. Trent is owner of Dato Dairy Consulting LLC, serving dairies as an independent dairy nutrition and management consultant in southern and western Wisconsin. He has years of on-farm and feed industry experience, which grant him the ability to provide a holistic approach to farm specific goals. Trent completed his Bachelor of Science and Master of Science in Animal Sciences and Ruminant Nutrition, respectively, at the University of Minnesota. His research focused on rumen fermentation and how feed additives and corn byproducts may impact cow health and production. And after graduating, Trent worked as a technical specialist, providing support to feed mills and nutritionists in the area of protein and amino acid balancing. Welcome to the podcast today, Trent.
1: Thanks, Kim. It's a a pleasure and honor to be here.
0: So first, let's just start out. Can you give us a sense of where we're at in terms of feed costs?
1: Um, They're high. Like you said in the intro, Kim, uh, they've started climbing uh, late last year. Um, and steadily rose up until about uh, the middle, end of June, July. And we're starting now just to see a little bit of reprieve, but they are still well above, um, you know, trend line averages and five-year averages. So um, dairymen have definitely been starting to feel the squeeze uh, for sure, especially as uh, 2020, 2021 contracts are starting to expire here. Uh, this fall. We're looking to, to rebook feeds for 2021-2022.
0: So how did we get here? What has caused the, the unusual rise?
1: Um, so just like everything right now in the economy, it's a, probably a variety of, of causes. Um, and each feed ingredient probably has a different story behind it. Um, so as with most uh, things in the agricultural industry, Uh, Corn is king. Uh, So corn prices started to climb, um, like I said, uh, the beginning of, or the end of last year, the end of of 2020. Um, And a lot of this was was due to uh, China buying up a lot of uh, U.S. inventory. Um, Also, use was uh, very strong domestically as well. So that led to um, pretty tight um, stocks here in the United States, which started to ramp up up prices. So by the time corn started to get to the farms, we were well above $200 starting already back in January, where the, you know, the historic average is more so around that $145, $150 mark. So we're an easy $50 above uh, our five-year average, even with uh, an ingredient like corn. Uh, so at its peak, we were probably all the way up to 560 ish dollars delivered to the farm. So um, over $100 to where farms used to, to be. Uh, so that's just with corn. Uh, right now, we're facing high fee costs and other ingredients. Uh, one that I am struggling with a lot recently is, is fat products. So these include like palmitic acid products or calcium salt uh, fats. Uh, so these are often produced overseas. Um, palm oil is a big product of Southeast Asia. So with uh, everybody sitting at home ordering furniture and electronic goods from, from China and in, in Asia, um, shipping has gotten, gotten very expensive. I'm sure a lot of people have heard the, the ports on the Western seaboard are, are pretty full and, and backed up. So uh, just to ship fat products from Asia, to the U.S. has increased probably $600 a ton. Um, so on a $2,000 product now, um, a majority of the increase has come just from, from shipping. So, uh, so that's a long answer to say that it's a variety of reason, reasons causing our, our increases in prices. And those, those two examples are, are just a few of many uh, causing uh, turbulent and variable prices this year.
0: So what are you telling your dairy producers to do to help manage some of the feed costs? Uh, and we could talk a little bit about protein
1: markets too. So one of, one of the strategies that um, I often share with my farms is one of the just the biggest fundamentals to uh, having high producing dairy herd in the first place, which goes back to forage quality. Um, so to do just some simple math or, or to make a, an example of it, um, Moving starch and corn silage from a 35% starch up to a 40% starch, um, especially in high corn silage diets that we often feed um, in the Midwest and around the United States, um, you're going to be saving, you know, a pound to two pounds of, of ground corn per head per day. So when you're able to utilize the starch from your homegrown forage, versus paying, like I said, 250 bucks a ton for a ground corn delivered to the farm is a pretty substantial savings of, of cash. Uh, sure, you might make the argument that the corn in your corn silage is you know, still worth, worth a lot, um, but corn silage you harvested last fall and you already paid for it. Um, so it's best just to, to focus on improving the quality of, of the forage there. And the same holds true for, you know, the forages that we feed a lot for protein. So our, our haylages, rylages, triticale. Um, moving up a, a crude protein in, in these forages from, a, from an 18 to 22 um, has an equal impact on our protein costs, saving you um, a huge amount of purchase, uh, purchase protein through soybean meal or, or canola. Which again, we're we've been paying a huge premium for here here the last year. Um, So that that's always where I I start start the discussion is is focusing on the forages, making sure we're investing in in fertilizer and soil health and getting the crops in on time, spraying. um, You know, simple agronomy agronomy practices go a long ways in terms of having high quality, nutrient dense forages. the second strategy um, is getting a good buy. Um, and by this, and I, I steal that terminology from one of my colleagues, um, is being able to look ahead to try to predict where where markets might be going. And probably even more simply than that is just to, to secure yourself with a price that you can make money with. So this year is a perfect example, and it doesn't always play out this well, but um, a lot of dairies um, at least in the midwest will look to start contracting uh, commodities um, you know protein commodities in particular soybean meal canolas uh, corn gluten feeds um, in the fall as new crop uh, numbers start coming in so uh, corn crop and soybean numbers that we're starting to predict uh, once we get more understanding of the weather and the yields uh, throughout the summer uh, so anywhere from, you know, the middle of June to October is a good time to start looking at uh, locking in uh, contracts and feed prices for the following year. So a lot of dairies who did that this previous year were able to, you know, lock in, you know, $330 soybean meal or $300 soybean meal versus uh, farms who had to pay cash prices throughout the year, uh, you know, are paying upwards of, you know, 460, 450. So um, you're saving, you know, over 100 dollars just by locking in your, your fee contracts um, ahead of time. Uh, but the, the opposite could could be true. I mean, we could be locking in high feed prices right now and have a bumper crop and prices start to fall. Um, but it's just having a good understanding of where the markets are at and what feed prices you need on your farm in, in order to to make a profit and make money. So a good understanding of your overall farm financials will give you the the power to to make smart decisions and quick decisions when it comes to purchasing um, other commodities.
0: So are there any really good buys right now that you think people should be taking a look at for forward contract forward contracting some of these commodity ingredients?
1: Um yeah, well, for one, I, I am not uh, a risk management uh, specialist or, or broker, so don't don't take my advice uh, too heavily, but the one thing to keep in mind is that we are a decent uh, ways off our highs that we, we saw, you know, in, in May and June. Um, you know, soybean meal, canola meal have, have dropped, um, you know, probably... 70, 80 bucks off their high and corn. Corn has had a similar trend uh, the last little while as well. Um, So now would be a good time if you haven't started looking to start looking at at different commodities to to make um, contracting decisions. Because the one thing to keep in mind is that the the Western United States is still extremely dry. Uh, China and other countries are still looking to to purchase U.S. goods. and uh, different market reports, uh, yield reports, and acreage reports have not been as optimistic as we once thought. So the, uh, the stocks of both soybeans and corn are still going to be tight for this coming year. So don't expect a, a huge reprieve in, in prices. So uh, the best thing I can say is understand where we were, where we are now, and that in the future it might not get a whole lot better than where we are. So start looking if you haven't.
0: So what do you think the long-term outlook is for feed costs, Trent? How long do you think we'll be dealing with this? Are there any indicators in the market?
1: Like I said, um, it's, it's going to be a while before we get back to normal stocks. Um, in terms of the inventories of corn and soybeans that we have on hand are still, still very tight. Um, so even with a bumper crop you know, record yields, we're still going to be pretty tight on, on inventories. Um, Other things that I haven't mentioned are playing into that right now too, just with the general economy. Uh, so if you go and fill up your gas pump, you'll notice that fuel prices are a lot higher. So that drives um, the profitability for ethanol plants. So they're gonna want uh, a greater portion of the market share of corn. Um, so that might drive up corn prices, but then we'll have a lot of distillers on hand. Um, and other items like uh, shipping, like I mentioned with our fat products for, from Asia, you know, that, that might be something that's a little bit more transitory where, you know, we might figure out this shipping logistics and that might be solved um, by early next spring, some are, are predicting. Um, but my opinion would be is that um, we better be ready to see inflated feed prices probably for the entirety of 2022 um, into 2023. Um, to me, there, there's not a whole, whole lot of sign that uh, we should see feed costs come back down to where we saw them for the past five years. Um, just with the amount of use and the general state of the economy, we should we should expect high prices. But even more so, I think we should expect volatility. Um, I think the markets right now, especially, are are very sensitive to to news. Um, so it's important not to get too worked up from day to day and just try to understand where we're at as a market as a whole. Um, and to prepare yourself for it,
0: yeah, that's great advice. Volatility is probably the upcoming theme. Uh, some, it's easy to have this knee-jerk reaction of removing what producers might consider high-cost feed ingredients from rations. Uh, what's your advice?
1: Yeah, well, if there was a a product or or something in your in your ration that uh, um, you had when when feed costs were low. And you didn't think it was was returning or wasn't worth the money? Why didn't you pull it out when feed costs were low and milk, you know, milk was high? Um, you know, because when we look at products as a tool to achieve more milk production um, and limit feed costs, we should always be trying to optimize that that margin. So, so to me, it, it's not something that we should even be considering when when prices get high. Um, however. Um, we do work in a, in a cash business. We are businesses who have to pay for, for bills. So at times there are certain things that we do have to adjust or change to, to manage, um, manage the business properly. Um, so again, it goes back to some of my previous points of just kind of taking, taking a step back, taking a breather to understand kind of where we at, uh, both in terms of your, your herd performance, uh, your purchase feed costs, um, the time of the year, um, as well as the, the overall markets. So when we start looking at uh, larger ingredients um, like fat, um, amino acids, items like that, that we use as a tool for higher production, um, me personally, I'll be more hesitant to pull those because the value of the milk that we're shipping, is still going to be much greater than the value of, of the feed that we're feeding, or at least it should be.
0: And where's the byproduct market today? Are there any byproducts out there that can serve as adequate replacements to some higher cost ingredients?
1: Unfortunately, not, not really. So one thing that that we do at, at GPS um, is we'll, every month we'll take the list of all the byproducts and ingredients available on the market and we'll rank them according to their value. So we're looking at their value, it's the nutrients that they're bringing in. So for example, corn gluten feed brings in a lot of protein, but not quite as much as soybean meal, um, and canola. So we'll look at the value of the protein it's bringing in not necessarily just the cost of the ingredient. So when we are are looking at um, items like that, um, we're able to try to find those those bargain uh, byproducts, if you will, are those those byproducts that are, are highly valuable. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, uh, fuel prices are high, which is driving the the ethanol market. So, the the inventories of corn distillers grains is uh is starting to build. So, corn distillers is actually one product that we're starting to see uh, pricing a lot better. Uh, the one thing with distillers um, and dairy cows is that distillers um, has a fair amount of fat in it, so Oftentimes, uh, nutritionists are somewhat hesitant to feed a large quantity of it in fears of lowering butter fat percent. Um, but it's a it's a trade off that might be uh, worth looking into more of uh, with distillers uh, pricing in very well. Um, another one uh, that I'm a big fan of um, is is corn gluten feed. Uh, so this is uh, the byproduct left over from Uh, the processing of of corn to make high fructose corn syrup and some other corn products. Uh, So it's a, like I said, it's a high fiber, higher protein type feed. Um, And that one as well has been uh, pricing and well. So those are, those are two products that I have my eye on as of late to uh, uh, consider putting rations if they're not there already.
0: Well, and you bring up a great point. There's always, everything is always changing. And it's important, uh, I think, for all dairy producers to be working with consultants that stay up to date. And along those lines, how do you keep up to date on all the information and how things are changing?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, a, it's a full-time job. And I, uh, I do think that that's one of the best things that a dairyman can do nowadays is you know, your day is filled with managing um, employees on your dairy, you know, you're trying to optimize production, work with the financials, uh, consumers, neighbors, I mean, your, your hands are full. So um, make sure that you have people on your team that are going to help you with um, things like keeping an eye on the market. And I'll, I'll even admit that it, it takes a lot of time. So myself, uh, there's resources within my, my team that I use, but uh, there's other uh, risk management uh, companies that, that deal with, you know, working with the Chicago board more often, have uh, better ears and relationships with uh, the processors of some of these byproducts, um, have people placed throughout the country and throughout the world, giving giving more, more insight. So um, paying for uh, market advice, whether that's a specific advisor or subscribing to a newsletter, um, I think that that's the key, just to have a general sense of where the market is and to have um, a direct line uh, to people who, who have boots on the ground um, where these products are produced.
0: Well, thanks so much, Trent, for coming on today and sharing your expertise and your insight. This wraps up our Bovenews podcast for today. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow Bovenews on your favorite podcast subscription service. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on the various social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube page. Be sure to check out our website, bovenews.com, for more information and alerts to upcoming podcasts and webinars. This has been your host, Kim Bremmer. And from everyone at Bovenews, have a great day.